Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And we're going to go through Acts 12, 13, and 14 this morning. So, we're going to do it expeditiously. So, that's three chapters, but we're going to get through it today. We're in the middle of a series on the uh, book of Acts and just seeing all that God is doing in his church. Uh, Of course, and you've heard it mentioned that the book of Acts spans the first 30 uh, 33 years of the church after the resurrection of Jesus. So it's the written record of the church after uh, the resurrection of Jesus. So we're about halfway through. So let's just assume in our reading that we're about 10, 12, 15 years past the resurrection of Jesus. But as we see, as we read, we're, we're reading about the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 and how the, the Holy Spirit is impacting the, the church. We're seeing about the growth and the development of the church. We've been following the Apostle Peter and now Paul has come on the scene. So it is a great book, but it is a roadmap for you and I and the church today. If we'll pay attention to it, it will direct us and guide us. So, uh, so let's read uh, together. We're going to go with Acts chapter 12. We're going to start reading there. Uh, and if you need to get caught up, all of our previous services are on YouTube. They're on our iTunes podcast, our Facebook page as well. We have version notes. If you follow, uh, if you have a, the version app, just look under live events and we have version notes as well. So Acts chapter 12 uh, we're going to uh, assume, not assume, but this, is, this passage is probably seven to nine years after the stoning of Stephen, okay? So it's moving rapidly through the time frame, but it doesn't always tell us how much time is elapsed. So it's somewhere seven to nine years after the stoning of Stephen, so 12. Uh, about this time, it was about this time that King Herod Agrippa arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he uh, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him into prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So just for note, the, the term Herod is a, it's a governmental title, just like president. So uh, Herod's would be interchangeable, you know, the, the individuals would be interchangeable like, you know, President Obama, President Trump, President Biden. So Herod is used in that same way. So the person that we are reading about is called Herod Agrippa, okay? Now, uh, he is the great-grandson of Herod the Great, that tried to kill baby Jesus, okay? The great grandson, but his name was Herod the Great. He is also kin to Herod Antipas, which killed John the Baptist. So this family line is a bloodthirsty ruling family line. And Herod, again, is in the seat of power and he's looking to do evil. So As we saw in the passage, the death of James seemed to embolden uh, and make more confident Herod to make sure this persecution was still going. Now, they are in the Passover season. Lots of people are in Jerusalem for Passover. So this continued persecution of, of the Christ followers would have been popular uh, with the Pharisees, especially during Passover. So it's unusual that he would, he would uh, continue a persecution during this holiday, but you know, they were, uh, he, he would not, he would not be stopped. Now, 
they were going to have Probably they were going to have Peter killed as well, but there were so many people in Jerusalem and, you know, who knows what that would have set off if you would have killed Peter. So the, he's, he's waiting for Peter's trial until Passover is, is completed. So in the middle of Passover, they arrest Peter uh, and they put him in jail for the third time. Now, this guy's been slippery in jail. We know about that, right? You put Peter in jail, you got a problem. So he knows that. So he puts 16 guards around Peter, okay? He says, you know, what's the, the, the term there? Uh, it was uh, four squads of four soldiers each. So they've got, James is dead. Peter is now arrested. And we go to verse five. So... Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And I love that passage. The church was earnestly praying. Earnestly is not necessarily a word that we use a lot today, but it just, it means intensely, you know, with an intensity. It means continuously. They didn't stop. Now, the church as they were praying, there was a sense of desperation in their prayer because Herod had just killed James and the assumption was when Passover was finished, they would kill Peter also. There's a, so there's a certain desperation that they are, that they are sensing and, and they don't have a lot of time to pray in this moment. And I want to just say something as we just kind of look through this passage. That when troubled times come, we need to learn to pray our way through adversity. We pray our way through it. Sometimes we get discouraged and, and, you know, we, we, we kind of, uh, you know, uh, are, not, are not praying because of our discouragement. We get a little paralyzed. We are free to text people sometimes. We are free to discuss it on social media. And with all of that going on, sometimes we forget to pray. But I want to say to you this morning that when the wheels come off, it's time to, some, to gather some people of like faith and it's time to pray. So how, what, how do you react when adversity comes your way? You pray. You shut off the TV. You power down the devices. You get in your closet of prayer and you pray. You seek God's face. Listen, their back was against the wall. They're not sure that they would ever see Peter ever again. <clears throat> so they came to pray. I want to remind you that when adversity is there, you push. You pray until something happens. You don't get discouraged. You don't try to figure out what God is doing or God's will. You get in the closet of prayer. You grab some people that believe God and you continually to pray and you seek God's face. The scripture is still applicable today. The righteous prayer, of the, the, the prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. It means something in the time of adversity when people don't whine, they don't throw in the towel, but they pray and they seek God's face. The church came together to pray. This is the church prayer meeting. I want to say, I still believe in 2022 in the corporate church prayer meeting. I believe there's power when people come together, when the people of God come together, called by the leaders and praying with the leaders. I still believe there's power when the church prays. We see corporate prayer happening maybe just across the nation. Congregations coming together and they're, they're praying powerfully they're praying prolonged prayers they're they're praying intense prayers if you're familiar with Brooklyn Tabernacle Church with Jim Cimbala for decades on Tuesday night they they have been praying together as a church if you are familiar with Times Square Church David Wilkerson's church Carter Conlon on Tuesday night 
For decades, they have been praying together, coming together as a congregation to pray. In Dallas, the Oaks Church, very large church, they've done away with their Wednesday night and now they have prayer meeting every Wednesday night. James River Church in Springfield, Missouri, mega church, multi-campus, for over a decade, they've, they've been praying on Wednesday night. And I want to tell you, they are seeing an unbelievable revival that is happening in their midst. I want to say to you, and I want to remind you, that there is power when the church comes together for prayer, when they seek God. One of the first decisions I made when I came to this church was that Wednesday night would be a night of prayer. And from the very first Wednesday night, we've been worshiping, we've been seeking God, and we've been praying. And I want to invite you, I want to encourage you to come be part of that one hour, because I believe when the church begins to intercede and they begin to pray, God moves powerfully, God moves powerfully in their midst. Things happen when the church comes together for prayer and they pray together. So Peter's in jail. Verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Do you live with people that sleep so deeply that they have to have violence to wake them up? You live with anybody like that? You can't get a nudge. You got to hit them to get them up. That's Peter. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist because when the church prays, things happen miracles happen God hears the prayer of the saints of God and he moves on their behalf so he's sleeping between two soldiers he's bound with chains and and he's awakened the chains fall off the angel says hey get your sandals follow me they work their way they work their way through the the prison Peter finds himself outdoors of the prison. The angel just disappears. Verse 13, Peter knocked on the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Great faith. You, and she goes back and tells him, Peter's here. Look at this. You are out of your mind. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, couldn't be Peter. It's got to be an angel. Which that still be a miracle too. I'd still be running to the front door. But Peter kept on knocking. And <clears throat> when they opened the door, they saw him and they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. So I love this because they're shocked. They're in the midst of a prayer meeting. They're in the midst of prayer, a season of prayer. And the thing that they have prayed about was the deliverance of Peter has occurred and nobody, nobody believes that it happened. Can I just say, you know, when we're praying, what are we doing if we're not praying in faith? Jesus says, don't, don't pray with pointless repetition. Prayer without faith may make you feel good. You know, just kind of going through the motions. You ever done that before? I, it's my devotions. I got 7 to 7.12 allotted for my devotions. So I'm just going to pray. And you just kind of mumble a few words. You just kind of go through your routine. The clock is over with. You go back. You feel good that you've prayed. But in actuality, you haven't moved heaven at all. Anybody ever done that? I'll tell you I've done it. You know, it's my devotion time. It's my prayer time. So I need to pray. 
You're just babbling a bunch of, you know, just a, 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 a few words and you may feel good that you've spent your time there, but you really, you really haven't, you know, impacted the kingdom of heaven. We do not pray with mindless, powerless words. When we pray, we pray in faith. When we pray, we believe. We are not regurgitating words, mantras, and formulas. When we pray, we are speaking to mountains and saying, be thou removed. We are speaking to the captives and saying, you are free. When we pray, we are saying, sick bodies, you be healed. When we pray, we are saying, dry bones, come alive. When we pray, we are praying with faith and we are believing that God will answer our prayers. <clears throat> Peter's released. He tells them the story. They're, they're, they're amazed at what God has done. So I want to say if you're praying, don't be moved by the circumstance. Don't let the intensity of your prayer be measured by whether you see progress or not. We're, we're praying through a, a different, you know, we're praying through the eyes of faith. And we continue to pray and speak faith and believe. So don't be discouraged. So Peter's released. And they're having this great time of fellowship. Uh, Acts 12 also, this entire passage gives us one of the most difficult theological passages at all to kind of work through. And I want to back up just a bit uh, about this. I want to talk about James. James, in the very first part of this passage, he was, he was executed. This is James, the brother of John. Remember the sons of thunder? One of the three leaders of the disciples, you know, Peter, James, and John. This was James that was washing out his net when Jesus came and, and, and said, he said to them, I'm going to make you fisher of men. This is, this is James that stood on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw the glory of God and heard the, the voice of God. This was James that argued with his brother about who would sit at the right hand of God. Everybody's resume has got a little something shaky in it, okay? This is James who was so broken after the crucifixion that he followed Jesus' body to the tomb. So I guess Herod thought because James was part of the inner circle of this emerging church that, you know, he was one of the leaders that, you know, it, it, it would be devastating. It would devastating to the church. So it says James was killed by the sword. So just using the wording that they normally use, he wasn't beheaded. He was brought before the leaders and with the sword he was stabbed to death. In a slow, brutal, you know, way, way to die when you're, when you're just, when you just bleed out. He was the first apostle to face, you know, to become a martyr. James is executed. Peter is released. Get the context of this. In the same prison, at the same time frame... James is killed and Peter's released. All right? In the same streets, when the funeral procession is mourning James, are the same streets of the celebration of Peter's release from the prison. Now listen, we've always, always, you know, we've, we've been on Peter's side when we've had the the miracle and the rejoicing. You know, and when we do that, when God gives us that miracle, we always need to remember there are others that are praying and believing for a miracle. So we want to be encouraging that moment. So we've all kind of had that miracle. We've been on the Peter's celebration side, but we've also been on the James side as well. That when we're praying for a miracle and our families are praying for a miracle, and we haven't gotten our miracle, but we see someone else get a miracle. 
same God, same prayer, same faith, all right? These are tough things to grasp. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, I deal with this question in many different forms almost all the time, okay? Why, why, why didn't I get this? Why did this not, this not happen all the time? These things are just tough to kind of to wrap, your, wrap your brain around. So I think Acts 12 to me is one of the most difficult passages theologically to kind of work your way through and kind of kind of get some understanding. One is executed, one gets a miracle. They're off the same team. They're in the, the top three, Peter, James, and John. Same church, you know, that was praying and believing. Same God, same faith. One results was positive. The other resulted in, a, in an execution here. I just want to give you, maybe if you're journeying through something like this and you're just going, hey, what, what's going on? What's happening? I just want to give you some things to think about. So uh, when you're going through a time of question, trial, or suffering, okay, I want to, I want to remind you that we live in an evil, fallen world, okay? Uh, we, we live in an imperfect world, and Satan himself wars against the plan of God, and he wars against the child of God. And God gets a lot of blame for everything that is negative, but I want you to remember, and Peter reminds us of this very well, that Satan walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So we live in an imperfect, imperfect world that evil wars against the, the child of God and the family of God. I also want you to remember people have moral freedom to do right and to do wrong. They have choices. You, Herod, Herod used a moral choice that he had for, you know, for evil. That's just, unfortunately, it's part of this world that the Lord, or fortunately, the Lord's given us moral choices that we can make right or wrong decisions. Herod uh, exercises freedom against, you know, and his power against, uh, 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 against James. So people have that freedom. Becky and I, several years ago, we went to uh, Munich and we visited Dachau, the concentration camp. And when I, when I walked on the, the property, I just felt, I mean, I just felt evil. I think we got a couple of images here, just felt evil, you know, just walking through, seeing the dorms where hundreds of thousands of people were executed. We visited the crematorium where, you know, where, where, where people were executed and their bodies were burned. And I was just struck, you know, at the, that, that, that evil that is in men's hearts. You know, they don't, they're not necessarily born this way for that kind of evil, but it, but it happens. So people have moral choices to just keep that in mind. Sometimes they, they do things that they shouldn't do. I want to say also trust in God when circumstances don't make sense. I mean, now I understand when we're going through difficulty, we want you know, we want answers and, and we want to understand things, you know, when, when theologically, when they, when they don't make sense, we're trying to kind of wrestle through these kind of things. But I want to say to you, there are times that it falls to us that we just have to trust our creator. We just got to trust that I'm walking through a season that I have no theological understanding or explanation but that I trust the character and the nature of God. I trust that, that even though I don't see or understand things, there are things like all things work to the get together for the good of them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. So I may not understand short term what is going on, but I trust the Lord that, that he's going to bring me, my family, whatever I'm facing, he's going to bring us through in this particular moment. Isaiah 55 says as a reminder to us, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. 
as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. So I want to remind you that there's another level of things that are going on in your life that God is preparing, God is planning. We walk through seasons that we do not understand sometimes. We do not have a, a theological answer. I told you this is the question that I get in different forms, probably the uh, it, the, the, the question I get the most in different, in different forms, but there are times that we just need to trust the Lord. There are times that James' family just has to go, God, what? what? I, I'm happy for Peter, but, you know, there's a time that you just have to go, I, I, don't, I don't understand, but, but, but there'll be a day that I do, and I wanna, the, the last thing I want to say on this part also, we have a God that walks through us, walks with us during our questions and our sufferings, okay? So when you go to that part, when you go with tears streaming down your cheeks and you go, Lord, what's going on? I don't understand what I'm seeing in, in front of my eyes seems to be the opposite of your character and your nature, you know, it's okay because God walks with us during those seasons, when we don't, when we don't understand, he doesn't leave us. And I want to tell you too, just want to say this, you know, when you go through difficult times, that is not a sign that God has ever left you or forgotten about you or taken his hand off you or his eye is on you. Okay. It's not that time. Look, look at Isaiah 43. It says, when you pass through the waters I will be with you when you pass through the rivers. Uh, they will not sweep, uh, sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Whenever you go through these problems, you've got to know that God is watching over you. God has got his hand on you. Even though you don't understand what is going on, God is going to bring you through it. God, there's going to be a day that you're going to give praise because God has brought you through and you kind of saw and sensed what God's doing in your life. So we've all been on with Peter's family when we rejoiced over a miracle. But there's a tough side when you're in James' family and you're at the funeral. These guys knew each other. They're good friends. Same prayer, same faith, same church, different results. Those are difficult, difficult times and seasons to walk through, but I promise you, listen to me, I don't know all the answers in, through these things, but I promise you, God never leaves. He never forsakes. He will comfort. He will help you. He will walk with you, and there'll be a day, you know, that's what he says. You, today we see through a glass darkly. I don't have understanding today for everything that God is doing in my life, but there's a day that the blinders are gone and I see the fullness of I see the fullness of God's plan. So are you walking through that season of question and uncertainty today? Do you feel a little angry with the Lord? Are you like James family and you're going, hey, what's going on? I understand that. I, I understand. But I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you this morning. Man, God's, God's with you. God hasn't forgotten you. You're going to make it through it. And there'll be a day. There'll be a day. This life, the next life, that there'll be some understanding to that moment. So that, that's, uh, Acts 12 is always a difficult passage for, for me to read. So let, let, let's move on. Uh, Acts, Acts 13. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets now, this has moved on maybe a year or so as well. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius uh, of Cyrene, uh, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, last week, if you heard Brad, he talked about the establishment of the church of Antioch. So you got two larger churches going. You got Jerusalem and Antioch. And here's what's going on at Antioch, okay? So they're having a prayer meeting, a church prayer meeting, okay? You see in any kind of common thread in these things, so they... This mother church, which was birthed on church prayer meetings, now you've got the, 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 uh, the daughter church here. They're having a prayer meeting 
as well. And they've got some people who are who are called out in this passage that are leading this prayer meeting. Barnabas, who is, uh, who's from uh, Cyprus, who the, his, histor, uh, the historians tell us came from a wealthy family. Simon of Niger, who is a descendant from Africa. Lucius, he was one of the persecuted Jews. If you remember in Acts 8, he was one of the persecuted Jews that, that had to flee Jerusalem. So here he is. He's landed in Antioch. He's given his heart, you know, he'd already given his heart to the Lord, but now he's one of the leaders of the church. Uh, Manan, he had been raised with Herod. Somehow, some way, relative friendship, somewhat, some say it's a foster, foster situation, but he had been raised with Herod. He knew him well, been raised in that system, but now he's one of the leaders of the church. And Saul, we know Saul, the Jewish zealot and the persecutor of the church. So, man, what a group. What a group. But I love, I love the picture of this because I, I love the ethnic and the demographic diversity here. Here's the leaders that they mention in this church who are praying. So you have Jews and you have Gentiles. You have white you have black that are praying. You have rich. You have poor. You have those who are raised in the church. They know every part about the church. And then you have uh, Saul who persecuted the church. So what a beautiful picture that we see of all of the diversity here in the leadership. Now, I want to say this again. And the world can fight and argue about race and racial tensions and all of that. But I just want to say again, let the church be the example to the world that all people of different background, races, and colors can come together in unity, live in harmony and love because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Let the church be the example. Let us be the leaders when it comes to uh, 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 ra different races and backgrounds living in communities. So they've come together to pray. While they were worshiping, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord. So here's what they're doing at this, at this prayer meeting. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them. After they fasted, prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So there's nothing like a church prayer meeting. You never know what is going to happen when the saints get together to pray. So they have come together. They are praying. It doesn't say, you know, for any particular reason. There doesn't seem to be any adversity. This just seems to be what the church is doing. They are coming together to pray. They were fasting. They were in a time in this prayer meeting where they were worshiping and the Holy Spirit spoke, okay? We just need to note that somehow there was audible direction from the Holy Spirit that's going to affect two people in that prayer meeting, okay? Now, that happens from time to time. It said the Holy Spirit spoke. We still believe that Acts chapter, I mean, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are still in place for today. What you saw here that the Holy Spirit spoke either through prophetic utterance or tongues and interpretation and this call came forth, we still believe that it happens today. We saw it earlier in our in our service. And if that is new to you, that's that's fine. You know, uh, it's not really new to us. It's part of our belief that the works of the Holy Spirit as mentioned and referenced in the book of Acts are still available to today. So my encouragement to you would be to read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, specifically 14, because it talks about how giftings of the Holy Spirit should work during a public you know, during a public service. So they are praying together. They are worshiping. The church has come together and all of a sudden there's a prophetic utterance. So there's some kind of interpretation and everyone goes quiet. 
And don't you know that Paul and Barnabas, when you hear your name called out like that, that's a scary moment. Barnabas is like, what, who, what? He's calling them to be missionaries. What? Did, did I hear that right? You know, he got the Holy Spirit calls them in the midst of that, in the midst of that prayer meeting, he calls Paul and Barnabas, you know, to, to go do missions work. So I just, so Paul and Barnabas are sent as evangelists, missionaries, and church planners. And let me tell you, that church, when they heard Paul and Barnabas were to be missionaries, they didn't even let them go back home and get any clothes. All right. They just assumed, no, no, you go now. It said they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Today, man, you got to itinerate, you got to be approved, you got to raise your budget and all of that. Nope, not there. Bye, bye, see you later. We're praying for you. You know, so I want to say, and I just want to remind the church of our role in mission service. The Holy Spirit calls and the church sends and equips. So the church just didn't pray over them. You'll see later in other writings, there was this relationship where the church was sending offerings. They were sending people. So they didn't just wave at the threshold of the door. Hey, we're praying for you. Hope you do well. No, the Holy Spirit calls and the church sends and equips. That's why every dollar that you give to missions, you know, when we raise money to give money to missionaries, it is a very biblical thing that we do when people follow the voice of the Holy Spirit and they, they follow God's call to the mission field. It is the church that prays, equips, helps them financially. So, so they, they are gone. On, you know, now I want to just say something really quick and then, and then I'll, I'll close. All right. I, I want to just talk about the call of God for a moment, especially to younger people, but not necessarily just to younger people. So I want you to be, I want you to be open to God's call. Everyone, especially young people. I want you to be open to God's voice that may speak that, you know, that may, may speak to you. Now, God's call comes about in several ways. So first of all, there's the internal call. There's a time that God speaks to you personally, that you feel, man, God's, you know, God's speaking to me. You may not know with great specificity at the moment what that means, but you know, man, that God is dealing with you about something that you are supposed to do. Okay, so there's the, the internal call, but there's also the external confirmation that will come, you know, that will come in, in different ways. People may, you know, like invite you to do things or, you know, hey, would you come share here? Or there may be doors that just open for you that have always been closed. You'll, you'll start to, you'll feel an internal call, but you'll feel an external kind of confirmation that will happen. It may be something like, what they had in Acts 13, there might be prophetic, you know, gifts and utterances that confirm kind of what's, what's going on. So I want to, I want to say, I want you to be open. I want you to pray, especially if you're young about God's direction, you know, for your life, there might be a call there, but I want to say to everyone, I want you to be open because God may be speaking to you. It may not be full-time vocational ministry, but there may be something that God is laying on your heart for you to accomplish, you know, for, for, for his glory. So they were sent. They said goodbye. And I want to tell you something. I love it. When you are sent by God, he equips you for the task. When you are sent by God, you know, uh, you are you are equipped for the task. So, if you feel a call, go. Just go. Just start walking in to that call, whatever that means. Take one step forward. You know, we got to try to rationalize things. We got to try to, you know, uh, try to, so got, it's got to make sense sometimes uh, to us. Well, Lord, it's not 
part of my written five-year plan, so, you know, I don't know about that. Or, Lord, the results of my Enneagram say that this is not my gifting, so I probably shouldn't do that. Lord, I'm a, I'm a, a planner. I'm a, I have a calendar, and I, I've already got the next phase of my life already written out. Do not say those things. If you feel God's call and God's quickening, then I say, go. Start walking into that call. Start gathering information. Start talking to people. Just don't sit when God speaks. Look at Ezekiel 2. God spoke to him and he moved. And I just want to tell you, when you take the first step, the other parts of that will be revealed along the way. Paul and Barnabas was a little bit different because they knew everything. They knew everything, but most of the time it's, if you feel a call, take a step. Take a step, be faithful, and it's going to open up another door that's going to bring, that's going to bring clarity to your life. So, worship team, you can come. So they went. They just went. They find themselves in Cyprus. You know, they go to Cyprus. They find a man who's open to the gospel. His name is Sergius Paulus. They also find themselves coming across a sorcerer as well. You know, when God calls, he equips. They're dealing with a guy that's in black magic and sorcery. They go to Pisidian Antioch. There are people that they just want to hear more of the gospel. You know, even Paul and Barnabas, they were called of God, but there were people that just said, hey, we need to process this a little bit. Can we hear some more about this a little bit later? So, man, they, they did that. You know, they, they, they did that. Can I just tell you, can I just tell you, man, there are people, man, they are tired of dead church and dry church. They are, they are, they, those people were touched by something that they said. They wanted to hear, they wanted to hear more about, about, this, about this wonderful gospel. So, let me tell you, they just, they went, you can see it in Acts 14, man, they went to four or five different places, but God called them and man, they saw God do some powerful things. So this morning we close, we're gonna have a prayer meeting this morning. You know, we're just not gonna talk about a prayer meeting this morning. We're gonna have a prayer meeting, you know, cause we're in church, right? And we're gonna pray, we're gonna pray. Cause when the church comes together to pray, Things happen. Things can happen in the house. I believe in the private closet of prayer. I, I, I do that. I believe in it. There are times that individually that we just need to come before the Lord in quietness. But I also believe when there is collective faith in the house, God can do something powerful. Okay? We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for people to, to, to be healed. We're going to pray for people to have a miracle. We're going to pray for people. Let me, let me say this. Maybe you, maybe God's dealing with you about a call. You know, maybe you just, you're not really sure what that means. We're going to pray for you this morning. We're going to give you an opportunity to come. Maybe you're one of those that missed your moment. Maybe you had a, a clarity of a call at one particular time and you just, you look back now and you go, man, I blew that opportunity. Okay. Well, maybe you missed the initial ship. Okay. But there are other ways that God can renew that call in your life. So if that is, if that's you and you're like, man, I knew at one point I was supposed to do something and whatever, I blew it. Don't think God can't use you in other parts of your life, you know, as, as, as well. We're, we're going to pray. We're going to pray over that. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord. Maybe you've been away from faith. You've never accepted Jesus. You know, we're going to pray for that as well. Because the most important thing that the Lord does is he saves souls and he transforms lives. So we're just going to do that this morning. And we do this from time to time. I love it. We usually do it in January. We used to do the whole services prayer meeting. But we're going to take just a few moments this morning. And we're going to, we're going to have prayer meeting. So I want you to get in prayer meeting mode. I don't want you to be in the mode. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to listen to him pray. Okay. That's not church prayer meeting. Okay. I want you to kind of get in a prayer flow, a prayer mode. I want you to begin to let faith arise in your heart. And as the church prayed for Peter, 
and saw a miracle. And as the church got together and prayed and the first, some of the first missionaries were called, we're going to step into that place this morning and we're going we're gonna to pray. So would you stand this morning? Would you stand? Just for a few moments this morning, we want to pray. We want to pray. Can we together just begin to call out to the Lord? Just for the next five, eight minutes, we won't have a church prayer meeting this morning. We won't have a church prayer meeting. I want you to lift your voice. We're going to begin to pray. Lord, we come to you this morning on a Sunday morning. Lord, we read, Lord, what you did through the power of collective prayer when the church prayed. And Lord, we, we don't come with any less expectation that you can move on our behalf. So Lord, we come as believers this morning. God, we come and we stand in the place of faith. God, we come and we call out to you believers who are called by your name, blood washed. God, we're, we're your sons and daughters. We are calling out to the Father today to meet the needs of those in this congregation today. We do not serve a lifeless idol. We do not serve a dead God. We serve the living God. And this morning, with our voices lifted high, we call out to you. With our faith extended towards you, some with strong faith, some with a little mustard seed faith. Lord, we believe, Lord, that when we pray, you can meet every need. Lord, we're not going to be shocked like they were when we see your hand move. Lord, we're going to know that's part of what you do. So we call out to you this morning. We call out to you this morning. Lord, we pray. We pray today. We pray today. Oh, God, we call out to you. We need you. If you need a miracle in your life today, I want you to start to call that out to the Lord. I want you to ask God for it. Man, if you need a healing in your body, I want you on your own. I want you to call out to the Lord today. If you need a financial miracle, I want you to call out to Jehovah Jireh this morning. He is your provider. We are coming. We're going to believe God this morning. We don't serve a dead God. God's miracles and His power, they're not for another time. They are, they are for now. He's meeting needs in the children of God now. Lord, we pray. We pray, Lord, those that are here today, Lord, they're, they're not, they're not uh, where they should be with you. Hear the prayer of the sinner today. If that's you, I want you to call out, Lord, I'm not where I should be. Lord, I, I, I need to get my heart right with you. Forgive my sins. Come on, let's pray this morning. Let's pray this morning. God, we pray. We pray today. We ask for your presence. We ask for your power. God, be revealed in this house this morning. Be revealed in this house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whit Sasser, come up here. Come up here, Whit. I want you to pray over this congregation. I want you to ask God healing miracles today. Pray. Ola maki tere bokoso, e kanabaki tere bokota la maki te. Ela bokosi, a kanabokoso, ela maki tere meke te. O kanabaki tere bolo bokata, e kol ola maki tere meke te. I kanabako, o kasi ala maki la la bokoto. Is there anything too hard for me, says the Lord? Why wait? Today is a day of salvation. Why walk out of this place the same today? Why not be changed? Why not receive the power of the Holy Spirit? Why not be healed today? Why not be saved today? If there's a heaven coming, and I've already told you, then why not be ready today? Today is the day of salvation. Today is a day to get your heart right. Today is a day to believe and trust. For am I not your God? Am I not able? Trust me this day. 
and take that step. If I say go, then go. If I say wait, then wait. Now is the time. Father, I believe you today. I believe you for your word, God. I believe you, Lord, for what's coming. God has been prophesied. You're a soon coming king. God, I pray over this body of believers today. I believe, God, for those that are lost to be saved. I believe, God, for those that need to be filled to be filled. God, I believe for those that are hurting, God, to be touched this morning. That you'll give them joy unspeakable and full of glory. I believe, God, for miracles in this house, God. Things that we, gosh, things that we haven't seen, I believe, God, will take place. I believe, Lord, that the next thing you do will be greater than the last thing you did. Hey, if you need a healing, you need a miracle, you need prayer, I want you to come to the front this morning. If you need God to do something in your life, if you're away from the Lord, I want you to come. God's going to do something powerful in our midst today. You need some kind of miracle. Maybe maybe God's dealing with you about a call. Maybe you've missed a call. This is your moment. I want you to come. People are going to pray with you when you do this morning. I want you to come. Maybe you're away from God today. You need to make things right with God. I want you to come. I want you to get things right with the Lord this morning. People are going to come and they're going to pray over you. We're going to pray the prayer of miracles this morning. We're going to pray a prayer of miracles. We're going to believe God is going to move powerfully in people's lives today. Is that you? Would you come? The worship team's going to sing in just a moment. Man, we're going to believe God's going to do something powerful here today. We serve a living God this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church. I want you to pray this morning. I want you to pray. We're going to enter in a time of worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.